Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Raw. I am so excited about this episode, and not for reasons that you may think. Uh, if I was going to have like Beth Moore or Francis Chan or Pope Francis or Donald Trump or Barack Obama <laughs> on the show, then I would probably introduce it by saying, I'm so excited. I got like Barack Obama on the show and blah, blah, blah. I got this celebrity. I'd be so stoked about that. But I'm super excited about this episode for an entirely different reason. Um, I have on the show the one and only Luke Thompson. Now, most of you are not going to recognize the name Luke Thompson. And that's why I'm so excited about this episode. Let me give you just a really, really brief backstory. I met Luke several years ago on social media. He was and is an avid avid listener to the podcast. Um, He, at the time, lived in North Dakota. Now he lives in Minneapolis. He is a stay-at-home dad. He's got a few kids, got a wife. And he's just a totally normal dude. And you're like, why the heck do you have him on your podcast? Uh, Good question. Because Luke is an amazing guy. He's a normal guy. He is you. Um, I, I, quite honestly, I, I sometimes get tired of the rat race of always trying to get some celebrity person, some big name, some person that's going to retweet this episode to tons of, tons of followers and I can get more people following the podcast. I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, I can care less about all that stuff. I want to talk to really thoughtful people who are willing to engage in hard conversations, who are widely read, who are deep thinkers, who are passionate about Jesus, who have a solid yet broken and imperfect yet persistent spiritual life. Luke is that guy. And I reached out to Luke. I reached out to Luke a few weeks ago. It's not like he, he said, hey, I want to be on your podcast. He would never ask me that. But I reached out to him and said, look, you've been listening to this podcast for a while. We talk all the time. And I would love for you to be on this podcast because Luke is a brilliant guy. He's a he's an incredibly widely read person. He's such a deep thinker, and he's a normal guy. And I, I love Luke because he shows that you don't need to be some platformed, degreed scholar to be a thoughtful Christian. And Luke is an incredibly thoughtful Christian, as you will hear from this episode. I Have you heard of the platform Vox, the app where you can like, it's like a walkie-talkie basically. I only Vox one or two people in my, in my, in my sphere. Luke and I, we Vox back and forth several times a week. We are constantly shooting thoughts to each other. And I just love this guy. He's so thoughtful. And uh, I'm excited for you to listen in on our conversation. So please welcome to this show, the one and only Luke Thompson. are on. Thank you so much, Luke Thompson, for joining me on this episode. You are coming in live from, I'm going to assume, cold and snowy Minneapolis. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. However, it's it's been kind of warm lately. It's been getting up into like the 40s, so all the snow's melting and yeah, it's my wife's... Here. Yeah, my wife's sad about maybe not having a really, you know, idyllic white Christmas. 
Yeah. Um, but typically it's pretty cold yeah. in Minneapolis, cool. right? So I want to start by we could just dive into your journey and specifically your uh, your recent. I, I'm not sure the best way to word this, but your recent sort of departure from a traditional evangelical non-denominational Bible church kind of environment to yeah. uh, joining a, a Greek, is it Greek Orthodox or just Eastern Orthodox? What's so the... it's, it's the Orthodox church in America, which okay. stemmed out of the Russian Orthodox church. Oh, okay. Originally. okay. So yeah. Can you help unpack for us why you would make that transition? I know that's a, you could probably spend an hour yeah. at least unpacking that, but right. uh, why don't we start there? And I'm sure that'll lead us to, to various strands of ideas that we can pursue. Yeah. Um, so I guess the, probably the shortest way and most succinct way to summarize it is that I, I, by nature, and this is something we talk about sometimes you and I is, uh, and by temperament, I'm kind of a, and think outside the box intellectual outsider. Like even if you, um, however you want to, I'm really big into, I've gotten really big into psychology and temperament stuff. And, and my temperament is just to, I'm always trying to see the thing that nobody else is seeing. You know, it's that mm -hmm. I can't, I always forget this guy's name. But he's a American author, but he has this quote about, you know, fish and water. And then they meet this old fish and the old fish says to the young fish, you know, how's the water? And they both look at each other and they're just like, like what's water? What's water? Right. Yeah. And, um, or I've heard people say, you know, the hardest thing to get people to see is the thing that everybody's decided not to see. Yeah. yeah. So um, by nature, I've always kind of been that way, which um, like everything, I mean, it's a strength and a weakness, you know, it can yeah. be if you're unhealthy, if you, I would say if you're not a person of humility and character, even if that's your temperament, you're going to be divisive and kind of a jerk, yeah. which I've been that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my nature. And, and so the short way to summarize the transition to orthodoxy, which we're not fully in it yet. I mean, we're not even, me and my family aren't even catechumens yet. We're kind of taking the process slowly, which that just means someone who's studying and in the process of entering the Orthodox church. Okay. <clears throat> um, it got to the, and I'm kind of just a nerd. I mean, the theology nerd, anything that I get into, I go pretty deep. Like I try to get to the bottom of the well. And, um, into philosophy and all kinds of, and I just, it, it got to the point where churches that I went to when I wanted to, when we want to discuss theology or Bible or anything, we just kept coming to stalemates. It got to the point where like we were speaking different languages essentially. Hmm. <clears throat> and, um, can you give me an example? Cause I, I as I talked to you, you still have, a, I would say a basic general evangelical theology. I mean, you believe in, the Bible, Jesus, the gospel, you, yeah. yeah I mean, I mean all, all this, like no one would meet you and say, Oh, he's obviously not evangelical. You still have an evangelical sort of. Yeah. But I would even, but, I would even say yeah. like that. I mean, those are, that's just, that's just, or that's just broader, <laughs> small O orthodox. Yeah. I mean, that's just broad Christian, like all those things that you're saying, I, I would say every traditional Christian has affirmed for ever. Okay. Um, and so it's not like this gets into a quote that I wrote that I love. And you and I both love N.T. Wright is his quote in Scripture and the Authority of God. He talks about theology being a shorthand. And he said it's like in, we've tend to treat, treat theology as suitcases that are full of all these ideas. You know, it's like mm -hmm. or you could think of it as like super condensed 
um, DNA or something, and he's, or suitcases. And so he said, most of our conversations have seemed like us going around hitting each other with suitcases. We said, maybe what we ought to do is open those up, air them out, see what's in there, see if some things need looking at or ironed. Um, and that's, that's kind <laughs> that's of been... It's such a great analogy. Yeah, and that's kind of been... That's something I've always wanted to do. I, and this is another way to look at it. And I found that within, at least within most of the evangelical churches that I've been a part of, especially among the leadership and people who are into theology and thinking about stuff, they didn't ever want to unpack suitcases. Hmm. You know, hmm. uh, they just kind of wanted to, you know, it, Jonathan Haidt quote that I love is like, look at any group and you'll find around this inner ring of sacrosanct belief that you can't, that there's a ring of motivated ignorance yeah. around. And I always found these rings of motivated ignorance. And I just said like, we're not even, we're not even talking about the substance of this stuff. We're just mm. talking over that and it's driving me nuts essentially. And so yeah. really that's probably the truth of it more than anything is it got to the point where I was so frustrated about it all the time that I just became a pretty broadly negative person. And my wife was just like, we can't, I can't have you be this negative all the time, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I was so consumed with it, you know, cause I care about this stuff. And, um, and uh and if we could have just dealt with i always said this like if we could have if we could have just left it merely practical and just had interpersonal relationships and talked about things and tried to like apply this stuff in really practical ways and not have the intellectual conversations i would have probably been fine hmm. but but i always went to like intellectual evangelical churches you know kind of the reformed baptist calvinist stripe yeah and um, so, so so it wasn't so much the the particular the specific beliefs or the specific practices it was the ideological tribalism that didn't foster or even allow a deeper exploration exploration of yeah. the the uh ideological tri tribalistic right. sort of commitment right and yeah. and and you and i i mean how we met up was a lot of it connected is the whole hell thing and so like that right. so like even even when you get on want to get into deeper issues of hell i would say that that is a that's a manifestation of the deeper spiritual right. problem because like right. you can another way to think of spirit which this is a this is a thing that i've learned through people like uh jordan peterson or jonathan peugeot or anything is pattern it's the, the spirit is the pattern underneath the the material or or the embodied manifestation that continues and that subsists that's a way to, that's a really good way to conceptualize spirit and um and so i would say that ideological tribalism you couldn't ever explicitly have a conversation about it but it was underneath most discussions about anything are you saying well, real quick just to make sure it's clear so when you say spirit yeah. you're not talking capital s holy spirit nor even like no. the human spirit you're talking like the zeitgeist the the spirit of the thing the, the yeah, thing that's, I, that's it broadly it the the use spirit. However, I mean, we could go super nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think it's wrong to apply that to other kinds of spirit sure, too. I sure. mean, you get into principalities, yeah. elementary spirits, that kind of stuff. Okay, okay, that's good. Okay, keep going. Sorry to cut you off. So, um, so it it got to the point where I was frustrated, and I had been interested from a distance with orthodox ways of thinking and theology. Like I had gotten into, um a big distinction between Eastern and Western Christian thought is apophatic versus cataphatic, which is positive versus negative theology. So yeah. um, like in the church father, pseudo Dionysius, and it's just is a prominent 
apophatic theologian. So they, they tend to think, you can find it within both strains, actually. It's just greater emphasized in the East. So apophatic is, is what God is. It's what God he, isn't. Isn't. And then what's the other one? Yeah. Cataphatic is Cataphatic what is, is what Cataphatic. positive statements about God. So okay. God is love, God is good, God is whatever. And those are those tend to be emphasized in the West. But in my opinion, and I think and I, I just think it's true, it's easier to speak about negatively about God. And not not pejoratively, but like yeah, yeah, within yeah. negative affirmations of what God isn't. Okay. Um, okay. And it's it's actually it's really hard to think of examples of those. But like if you Wikipedia is great and it has a lot of um, like if you just look up cataphatic or apophatic theology, they'll have tons of quotes from church fathers that are really great to kind of give you okay. a better idea of it. But I feel um, like Wikipedia has gotten better over the years. It used to be kind of the bane of every teacher's yeah uh, existence because students are just citing Wikipedia and so. Right. But is it is it improved? Because I feel like when I when I search for stuff and I use a wiki article, I wouldn't use it for like publishable research, or whatever. Yeah. But for it's kind of a, a quick overview that's going to basically give you helpful information that's more more accurate than it isn't. I mean, it was right. largely very accurate. Then it's it's a good source, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think because I mean, ideally, that I think that's what the internet should be. You know, if it's something's truly open source like that, like you just can't mm -hmm. put out nonsense because people are just be like no that's ridiculous yeah okay you know um so no, i think no. you can find really yeah there's you can go down a deep rabbit hole if you're yeah a nerd oh yeah in no, Wikipedia. i've done that now have all the clickable links i'll search yeah. for something and then i'll just keep clicking boom boom oh boom, yeah and, for oh, sure yeah. yeah um okay so okay so so yeah. uh so you weren't you, in a, so if i can kind of put it in my own okay. words you, you didn't feel the freedom to kind of just yeah. think and rethink and even question not, not question as in disagree with, but like literally just raise the question about certain even things that were considered just foundational, fundamental. And yeah, that, it's that lack of intellectual generosity that was frustrating. Um, yeah, it felt and, like and, it's it's not it's not the freedom. I don't know. People, you can cage that negatively. You know, it's not the freedom to just be like, I'm my own individual. I can do what I want, you know don't tread on me, get off me, just kind of like that autonomous American individual right. individualism. But it's the freedom, I would cage it this way, it's the freedom to be honest. The yeah. freedom, like it's, you know, that's stuff that we talk about too. Like that gets, it gets into free speech because being able to speak what you honestly think is what thinking is. Like you're just doing that out loud. And, and, if, and if you are in a culture that doesn't allow you to do that, whether religiously, theologically, in your family, politically, like, that's not good. You, I mean, you're, you're going to breed either just overt hypocrisy or f Pharisees. I mean, you're not going to breed authentic Christians. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you, you may, I mean, I, that's not, that's not universal. I mean, you're going to sure. breed you're speaking people. speaking in generalities. Right. Generalities. I mean, yeah. you can, you're going to breed, there's going to be authentic Christians there, but um but you're definitely going to create a culture among a certain type of people that's not going to be good. Yeah. So you found something different in the Orthodox Church because I mean the Orthodox Church, in a sense, or even I mean most denominational churches, but especially churches with such rich traditions like the Orthodox Church or Roman Catholic Church. I mean, there's certain beliefs that they are what the church believes, and you don't question that, right? I right. Mean, or, or do they foster that from a Protestant, low evangelical kind of? A, background that i have 
you know, I see like, oh, if you're Catholic, that just means you believe in papal authority and praying to yeah. the saints. Like you're not, you cannot question that because that's already been decided. Or is that a, is that a caricature? Well, think, well, so that gets into even because this is where within church history, even the Latin church or the Catholic church is in the West. So like even, even that kind of thinking that I think that kind of spirit, again, okay. that's, pro, that's within a lot of my Protestant experience is, is in a, in a lot of ways still present within the Catholic church okay. because the Catholic church is also much more focused on positive theology and church dogmatics and encyclicals right, and like right. jotting every I and T whereas, and, and the difference, the difference is really subtle. It's not as if the Eastern church doesn't have theological writings and theological thinking and thoughts and insights and things, but they're not, it's not nearly as dogmatic and it's not nearly as binding because within Eastern thought, the only thing that's binding for Christian thought has to be approved through ecumenical councils. So they're like, it's the first seven ecumenical councils. That's what's necessary for Christian thought, the creeds, the things that came out of those councils. And outside of that, there's, I mean, what is complete freedom. Is that why? So even with views on the afterlife, I've heard that the Orthodox doesn't have like one position like the Roman Catholic church or even, I mean, I hate to say it, but the Protestant church largely just, yeah. um, but the Orthodox church, I, I heard a, very much allows for an ECTV of hell, universalism, annihilation, like all of them would be, you can still be Orthodox and hold to either one of those. Yeah, I, th- I think that's true. I mean, and I want to, ju- just a quick preface to all this, like I'm a total novice when it comes to Orthodoxy. Right. <laughs> I, um, the reason that we went there largely just to round that all off is that I wanted to I had the conviction that, okay, I want to check this out from the inside. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to read about it from the outside and then hear about things. Cause that's how I grew up with, you know, Roman Catholicism or anything. Like as a Protestant, you just hear negative things like they're Mary worshipers and right. you hear all these negative ways to, to frame it. But I mean, I've never talked still, I've never talked to a, what I would consider to be really intellectually solid, sound, passionate, practicing Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't like, I don't like learning about subjects from people who don't hold the view. You right. know? Yeah. <laughs> I just don't think it's a good way to learn about stuff. Yeah. Um, interesting. Well, let's but, transition out yeah. of that. Uh, and so one of the things I said in the intro um, that you and I, we correspond on, on Voxer yeah, uh, several times a week, and I—I I mean, yeah. I don't know how your voxing world is. You're pretty much the only person I vox. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't do that with anybody else. Um, yeah. And one of the things that we that comes up quite frequently has to do in in some capacity with Jordan Peterson. Um, yeah. So why don't uh, I've actually been in environments recently where I'll mention Jordan Peterson, and people are like, "Who's Jordan Peterson?" So oh I, wow, I know okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, and really smart people too. Yeah, um, yeah. But that's, there's people I don't know that people are like, how can you not know who this person is? But, um, so no shame there, but why don't you give us just a really Cause you, yeah, let me just say the reason why I want you to speak into this is because you consume, you have consumed a massive quantities of yeah. talks and videos and debates. And there's a lot of, yep. there's a ton of stuff out there, but you have gotten your arms around a lot of it, find a lot of it compelling or at least helpful um, so give us a quick background. Who is Jordan Peterson and what was it about him that 
drew you in as an interested kind of connoisseur of his yeah um so that's yeah that's a great um a lot i mean i and i tell people this and i think it's largely true from from my perspective and in my opinion i think i would say he's in my opinion i think he's probably the most important living intellectual right now um and and it, I mean that'll be a really whatever we talk it'll be a really triggering thing for some people because some people like there's a um I was gonna look for it recently and you're familiar with Camille Paglia that's how you Paglia, say it, right yeah, Paglia, yeah. Paglia yeah she um she endorsed she was, his book yeah and she yeah. was interviewed recently who's I think she identifies as transgender she's a feminist you she's know le- le- she's a lesbian le- lesbian she, okay i thought yeah, i heard yeah. her say she identifies trans no 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 yeah um but um and uh brilliant i mean brilliant like yeah. i can't hold it i can't keep up with her when, <laughs> when yeah. she talks because i'm just yeah. like you're way too smart for me but she had a quote recently from an interview where they just asked her about jordan peterson because she had an interaction with him which if you want to watch uh youtube um discussion a good one it's his with his with hers excellent um but her quote was something like ah i might just find it but it essentially said because i'm not gonna be able to summarize it as well as she did but she said something like um she has yet to meet someone a journalist or a perspective or anything positive or negative that takes in the vast scope and importance and 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 relevance of Jordan Peterson's work. Really? Yeah. And she oh. um I mean she just she thinks that he's and I mean Jordan Peterson kinda he became really well known through a couple of things. And how I was first exposed to him was he's on the Rogan podcast. Yeah. Uh and that's how I first heard of him. And uh and I was just like, who is this guy? I mean he's clearly brilliant. Yeah. Um, and then, and then he got really where he blew up even more before his book was the Kathy Newman interview. The like, the one where I mean, there's there's tons of memes where she was interviewing him and and he would say something and she'd say, "So what you're saying is," and she'd keep <laughs> reinterpreting everything that he was saying, and he'd say, "No, that's not what I'm saying," and that's what you find a lot with Jordan Peterson. Um, so to answer yeah. your question, I got into him through Rogan, but what's complicated about him, and I don't really care. I mean, some people are going to be mad because they just want to be against Jordan Peterson because they see him as, you know, whatever kind of negative label you want to throw on him. But, but the thing about Jordan Peterson and, and as most complex thinkers is they're nuanced and, and the things that they're talking about is complicated. And so, and he's clearly brilliant. I mean, he's in he's in a small range of, of people of that kind of intellect. Yeah. And, and I mean, so, so he, you, he was a, he was a, a professor of psychology at Harvard before he went to university of Toronto. Yep. Both, both school. I mean, obviously everybody knows Harvard's one of yep. the top. I mean, you don't, you don't just waltz in and get a job at Harvard as a professor and then at university right. of Toronto. Um, so yeah, he's just, P, uh, yeah, what, love him or hate him, to say he's incredibly brilliant is kind of a neutral statement. It's not I affirm everything yeah. he says or don't. I mean, I could say, I could say Hitler was brilliant. Doesn't right. mean he was a good person, right? Right. Anything he said, but um, 
So yeah, we, we can... my my point is yeah, is just to 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 um to dismiss what he's saying offhand without putting in a considerable amount of work to try to understand him is yeah. probably stemming from hubris versus substance. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and <laughs> most know? people that I've seen that don't like him, and I'm not saying like disagree with some things. I disagree with some things. You, you do too, but that actually just think he's. Uh, should be silenced that he's yeah uh, incredibly unhelpful that the, the when the, when i and i don't i've never actually personally interacted with people but i see stuff online when i see them and give their sort of summary of what he's what they think he's saying or has said it's yeah. like they're talking about somebody else in fact rogan has said a couple times yeah. that he that rogan said jordan peterson is the number one most misunderstood misrepresented not misunderstood but misrepresented people not even trying to understand yeah. him figure in the world today and i would kind of agree with that i think that's true for for what i know out there i mean and i mean and that's again he's just probably the most extreme example because he's he's so so hot right now yeah um but but that's what we do to everybody i mean that's why i don't like watching political shows and talking heads because nobody's trying to those people aren't trying to understand like they just want to yell at each other because you know that you're both within your tribal yeah. ideologies and it's just like get on the right team you know you're on right. the wrong team yeah. and so seeking to understand is is a rarity especially when it's something that's as complicated as the stuff that jordan peterson's trying to talk about which is like the nature of consciousness you know <laughs> it tends to <laughs> i mean get... it's funny his like i'm reading his book and listen to a lot of stuff the 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 lar- the the primary focus of his work is, and I hate using this term, but it, it kind of is true, is, is self-help in a sense. Like he's trying to help people live a better, more flourishing life at the end of the day. Yeah. And he has seen massive results from that. The sto- I love hearing the stories he yeah. shares of people that whose lives were a train wreck. Then they get on YouTube, see some of his lectures, and then now they have repaired relationships with their family, their fathers, their kids their neighbor, they're healthy physically, psychologically, they've quit, you know, an addiction. And there's just such clear, positive results of what he's trying to accomplish, which is primarily, again, self-help seems to diminish the intellectual, whatever. I just mean it as he's trying to help people live better, more flourishing lives. Now with that has come several controversial things um, that we, you know, we could possibly explore, but it, it is, to me, it's, it's telling and if not sad that it's not like he's, you know, some people have compared him to like a Milo Yiannopoulos yeah, or something, or yeah. just like a provocateur or somebody that just wants to stir the pot. I'm like, that's, yes, the pot is being stirred yeah. in his wake, but his goal that he's actually seen much success is helping people be better people, right? I mean, right. what you say? I mean, yeah, you have to ask, I think with those kinds of things, you have to ask the question of, I mean, I don't know. I don't like to get too deeply into like trying to discern motive. I mean, it's important, but that can be really complicated and hard too. But there's a um, a phrase that I've been really loving recently is by this uh, Orthodox thinker, Father Stephen Freeman, who's really great. But he had a podcast where he talked about in a blog, blog probably, where he used this phrase called falsely true words. And so he said there, there are is such a thing as falsely true words and those are words that are true but they but they either come out of a place or are used in a way that isn't toward the good they're not i mean and it kind of gets into that classical triad that sometimes we talk about truth goodness and beauty 
like just because something's true or Jesus said, you know, like in good, in, um, now I'm going to space on the Jesus quote. Uh, <laughs> what the is good it? Tree bears good fruit. The, the tree one. No, 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 I, no. The, um, I came in, in truth and, uh, truth and love, the whole truth and love. Balance, truth and right? grace, truth and grace. Truth and grace. One. There yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah, Gee, yeah. me. <laughs> I'll quote all this other stuff. I can't quote like this. I'm, I'm not sure you're even a Jesus Christian quote. anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but so you can you can say something, and I mean I think all of us know this anecdotally and experientially. Like you can, you're having a fight with your wife, or you're angry at your kids. I mean, you might say something that's true, right? But it's not coming out of a place that wants their good in that moment. It's coming out of a place of impulsive entitlement that like I'm mad and I want to make you feel bad. Well, those are falsely true words. And so even with, um, with someone like uh, Jordan Peterson or like anything like that, you can, you, there may be, okay, I lost the thread. There may be things that are true about people, but, but your intent with, with that language isn't to, isn't to pursue the truth. You know, it's maybe driven by ego or whatever. Are you saying you're not saying that Peterson does that as much? I mean, obviously, we all fall prey to that, but you're, right. you're saying when people critique him, that's that's what they're I think a lot of it comes out of that. Um, yeah. And not universally. I mean, I've seen people who have, like, one of the best, from my vantage point, Christian uh, critiques and perspectives on him is this guy. Uh, and I only know him through Twitter, uh, but Alistair Roberts, who's oh, yeah, a yeah. British theologian thinker, but he's interacted with Peterson's work really in depth and so he has a and he's not trying he has no i think kind of false agenda and he's right. and he's really trying to interact with it in an honest and authentic way and uh and so yeah. he had he had some criticisms of of him i mean i don't know that i'd necessarily agree with him completely because i think we have some different starting places perhaps yeah. but um but you know that's that's part of it. It's just, he's a, he's an incredibly hard guy to wrap your head around. And like, even you and I talk about, I mean, I have to watch and re-listen and read stuff that he says over and over and over before yeah. it sinks in. I mean, it's just hard. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. I mean, it, and that is for the most part comes with anybody that is super brilliant. It's very rare. I mean, there's a lot of brilliant people in the world. It's very rare that somebody is very brilliant. And yet, can communicate complex truths in a way that doesn't dim down the thing that they're talking about, but can be understood by somebody that's not on that same level of brilliance. I think N.T. Wright, in terms of biblical scholars, is yeah. think, hands down probably the best at that. Right. Um, he's just an incredibly clear, compelling, beautiful communicator, and right. obviously he's brilliant. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's uh, yeah, I, I think... I think sometimes Jordan Peterson's brilliance can get him into trouble. I'm the one thing I, you know, when he talked about, um, and we've talked about this, Luke, but um, in for is it enforced monogamy was, right. was the concept that got him in the hot water. Yeah. Um, and I know what, so here you and I are going to say, huh, that sounds odd enforced monogamy and warner's response is i'm going to try to understand what he's actually trying to say what does he mean by that what does he mean by that that that's right. our response but right. a lot of other people didn't go there they just assume enforced monogamy meant you know uh making people get married or something right. or whatever which was right. he was playing into a 
a larger philosophical concept. And yeah. my, push, my pushback to him is like, look, you got to be a little bit more aware that the average person is going to hear that. And of course they're going to be like, huh? Right. <laughs> um, and you could have, I don't, he, and he, he's just like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make an effort to over explain what I'm saying. You're going to have to make the effort to dig a little deeper and understand. Well, my and point. he, it's, it's, it's difficult because that gets back at like, even back to my whole thing that eventually made me go Orthodox or anything that I was talking about. And like, motivated ignorance and sacrosanct beliefs like someone who hears someone like jordan peterson say enforced monogamy and i'm not going to say universally but a lot of the people who hear that and then get all over him and rant and go get mad and get on twitter and start just saying like see he's a he's a bad guy well do you are you really seeking to understand in that moment or are you just trying to to burn down this guy that you think isn't on your team See, like, what really, what's yeah. your motivation there? Like, what are you trying to do? Yeah. Like, if, if the goal is really to submit, if the goal is really to seek the truth and submit to a truth that you maybe at this time aren't capable of apprehending or seeing, which that's all of us, then, then you have to be open that when he's saying that, he's maybe saying something that you don't understand in your impulsive judgment. Yeah. Oh, and that's man. the problem that like I want that that essentially is like the practical problem that is like the thing that I'm t trying to get at in almost everything I talk about. <laughs> I was going to say I mean you see that you see that posture in both extremes left and yeah, right. Yeah. And, sure. and, and when I use the terms left or right I'm talking both so let's just say politically and also theologically or even ecclesiologically meaning yes. the far conservative brand of Christianity the far left you know, kind of SJW yeah. brand of Christianity, both the farther you get away from a, a centrist, I guess, point of view, or not, not even centrist so much as somebody who is genuinely trying to discover and understand the truth, even if that truth is offensive yeah. or unpalatable for the majority. So let me, um, so I've tried to get you, I'm always pushing stuff on you that you don't have time <laughs> for because you're busy. But, um, but if so this is where I want to take that if we can. So I've been watching a little bit more and I've been exposed to this guy through Peterson actually, but Ian McGilchrist, this guy who oh, wrote yeah. the book, the master and his emissary. So he talks about, like I just watched a video this morning where he yeah. um, articulated this in a way that I thought was really helpful. He talks about the difference between left and right brain. Oh, right. And this stuff is super interesting because like all this stuff to me is coming together. Like you could talk about these things theologically. You could talk about these things scientifically. You could talk about things liturgically. And They're all it's related. Like, it's, right? Yeah. It's all at a place in at this point in my life where it's coming together and I get so pumped up. It's, it's great. But he talks about, so he talks about right brain and left brain stuff. And he, and essentially that's what the book, the master and his emissary are is he, he would say that the, there's a lot of, holdover and this is how things work there's a trickle down effect within academia whether it's theological academia scientific academia whatever mm -hmm. that he said a lot of the ways that we think that we understand right and left brain and right and left hemisphere is is holdover stuff from like the 60s and 70s okay so people used to think that like the left brain is the reason the right brain is the artist yeah yeah and he that's said that's the way i've always understood them that's he not, said that's, that's not... super simplistic he says okay. they actually those things work in both hemispheres. He said one of the best ways to understand it is it's almost like a map and the territory. So like hmm. the left brain is the map, the right brain is the territory. The, the left brain is like the model, 
the thing that you can wrap your head around that gives you practical utility to actually live in the world. Whereas mm -hmm. the right brain is the deeper kind of transcendent intuition, intuition beyond language kind of way, because it's actually interesting because he said the left brain is the sole language operation center of the brain. Language operates in the left hand, in the left hemisphere. Um, and, and your right brain, but, but there's overlap with all, how all these things work. Interestingly, I was just telling my wife too, like anger is solely within the left hemisphere. Anger? Which is a, yeah, which is a really interesting thing to think about. So it's not reason versus emotion. Those no. are blurred across. Yeah, right. But, but language and, and conceptions and like the map versus the territory is all left brain and that's where anger is. So like you start thinking about wow. ideological tribalism yeah. and yeah. politics and religious tribalism. And this is his argument. He's coming out with a documentary called The Divided Brain where he would say what's happening in the West is that we have a lopsided, hugely overemphasized focus on the left hemisphere. And he said, we've completely neglected the right hemisphere. And, and the right hemisphere, like this is why I love, this is where all this stuff comes together. Like even with C.S. Lewis and the medieval mindset and the mythopoetic mindset that Lewis and Tolkien were trying to bring out, like that's right hemisphere stuff. That's like the, that's the, this, this gets into Jordan Peterson stuff. That is the thing, like Jordan Peterson has said when it comes to pursuing truth, that in order to be fully authentic and honest and truly pursue truth, you have to have a, a method, a methodology and a way of being in the world where you are willing to submit to the truth that you don't currently apprehend. Hmm. So you have to have something outside of yourself that's able to correct you, a truth that's bigger than the truth that you currently apprehend. And that only is ever going to manifest an error because it's different from what your left brain currently understands. Oh man. I, uh, <laughs> I wish, I wish I had a neurologist here to, so, so going back to kind of the assumptions, is it true that some people are more left brain or more right brain, or is that still way too simplistic to think like, Oh, I'm 75%. I live in my left and, and 25% of my right or, um, so, like I, I, I've often referred to myself as more of a left brain person because I am high on sort of analytical ration reason. Yeah. I like logic. I like, you know, whatever. And, and sometimes the ambiguity of something that's not as nailed down for me is difficult. Um, right. That, 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 again, that might be a, or even like, like compassion or empathy and stuff. Like to me, it's like, reason is the way to you know like <laughs> right right <laughs> there, there's a there's a funny video that was going around <laughs> with a boy and girl they were arguing boyfriend girlfriend arguing and uh and she's got a nail sticking out of her head have you seen this no a couple, it's like three years old she's got a no. big nail sticking out of her head okay and she's like oh, my head hurts so bad <laughs> oh and he's like you got a nail in your head I can, I can i can take that out she's like stop trying to fix things you're yeah, always yeah. trying to fix things <laughs> yeah. why don't you just listen to me and he's like but i i'm pretty sure that nail is causing your pain and i can take that out you won't have you always just try to solve the problems why don't you just yeah. listen to my pain <laughs> yeah right I don't, know, I don't know where i'm going with that but but that yeah that whole like even 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 it's so humorous i'm like yeah that drives me crazy even watching it because i'm like right use your mind use your ration your reasoning skills to 
to fix things rather than try right. to just rely on, you know, but, but that's not how the world works. And I know. So, so what I would life. say is the world does work that way. And it doesn't like there are instances yeah. where like that cartoon is portraying something that's accurate. Like there yeah. are, there are times when something like that, that that's trying to get at the funny, the, the reason that's funny is because that's true, true sometimes yeah. Yeah. Um, where the, the place where it's, untrue is that you can't totalize that because there are instances where people like in the left brain the overemphasized left brain they think they see a problem really objectively and clearly and they don't okay and so they um so this gets into like george box one of my favorite quotes that i get into he's a statistician uh but he he said all models are wrong some are useful um, and, and this is really, I mean, you can break that down and you can think about a lot of models in ways. Like one of my favorite is like, if I am trained within chemistry, I'm not at all, I'm way more interested in the arts now and, and the liberal <laughs> arts, but, yeah. um, but like even the Bohr model, the electron is the ball with the electron going around it that has the, okay. and then it has the nucleus with the, with the, you know, protons and neutrons and all that stuff. Mm. So like, that's a model of how we understand an atom. Is that what an atom is? You know, is that what an electron is? No. Like that's just a way huh. of, of wrapping your head around something that you can't wrap your head around. So that's not like a physical representation of what no. actually is there. It's just a way no. to help us understand what. Right. And, huh. and it gets harder the further you get down. Like with an electron, well, it behaves like a particle and a wave. Well, which is it? It's both. And where is it? Huh. We don't know. Heidinger, <laughs> Schrodinger's equation. So, I mean, um, you can even yeah. get at this kind of stuff philosophically, even within science. But um, so your so back to McGilchrist and even your illustration with the nail in the head. What he would say is that we we've fallen too much into the mode of thinking that we fundamentally understand the world, which lead. Yeah. And this is what I call like. It, hmm. it's it's rationalism it, it's it's yeah. it's an overemphasis on a thinking that your models and ways of understanding are reality they aren't reality is fundamentally this is what like owen barfield c.s lewis talks about your perception your ability to comprehend things is our representations you don't see anything as it truly is only god has that knowledge this is what hmm. i'm i am prone to say like human beings are incapable of objective ontological knowledge, which is a philosophical thing. But like we don't, what that means is we don't see things in their essence, in their true ultimate nature, objectively. We can't. I, would, I don't know. Let me push back on that. I, I would say. I Does the thing we don't mean see things truly? Oh, so you're going to throw that wrench in there. <laughs> I, well, okay. Let me, oh, you threw me off. I was going to say Sorry. we are we we are hindered from seeing things ontologically object objectively. Let me throw out let me ditch the word ontologically. We okay. our objectivity is skewed is comes with lenses uh is sure. hindered by our culture, our gender, our socioeconomic status, our the time, you know, living in a postmodern age and so on and so forth. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we are unable to see things objectively but just our ability to see it would be skewed that that's what i would traditionally have said yeah would you i would i would disagree probably so i would say th and this doesn't mean that there's not lesser and greater degrees of objectivity i just don't think we ever fully get there it's kind of like in the early church fathers we talk about god this way like no one knows god in his essence 
We know sure. we see him in his energies. Like that's a distinction the early church fathers talked about because we can't know God in his essence. And I would argue we don't know anything in its essence. We just see the, the energies flowing from things. It's even like, what do you mean I, about I, in their essence? So I, so like, here's an illustration. Like if I said two plus two actually does equal four, or is that right. just a category that you're not even talking about? I mean, so like I, well, I would say, I, I, I don't, I don't think two plus two equals four. I can say that two plus two, if I have two rocks and two rocks over here and I put right. those together, that is actually four rocks. And I have a pretty good understanding of what rockness is there may be some mystery well so there. that gets into that gets into like <laughs> more complicated difficult things because like this is within that um so the most recent bring jordan peterson back into it and the most recent jordan peterson ben shapiro uh conversation yeah. they did on the rubin report this is a point that jordan peterson brings up when he's trying to talk about um they're talking about god and everything and and he's saying it's not he's not willing to rule out and he actually believes that there's something deeper and metaphysical underneath all this other stuff, all this purely biological case right. that he sets out. And, and then people will come in and critique that. But he said, it's there, there's parallels in ways that you can understand that. Cause he says, sometimes the abstraction is more real than the material thing in and of itself. And like that illustration you just brought up is an example. And I said this to my son, so we can have like two plus two equals four but what's more real these two fingers and these two fingers equaling the four fingers the object the concrete thing or the reality of two plus two equal four because this this is going to be gone in a hundred years i'm gonna be dead so, so you have the, the abstract concept of mathematics which gets into spirit stuff that's the pattern <laughs> that's the transcendent thing the spirit is that which persists but I would say, see, okay. this is why I love orthodoxy well, is, is to go all the way back to the beginning, because within orthodoxy and symbolism and patterns and spirituality, we don't, this is what I would argue, is within the West, we, the, the, tacit, the tacit cultural lens that we get is materialism. And I would say it's pervasive in the church, and yeah. we just don't even realize it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like... Uh... I heard a story. I don't know if it's fake. Or, no, I think it's true, actually, that uh, in the last hundred years, um, when in the East, people would say any kind of sickness is demonic oppression, you know, sure. and then we discovered in the West that, no, it's actually germs. Right. And so uh, we go and then so a doctor was over there trying to convince them, like, no, this is not demonic. This is not there's nothing spiritual about this. These are germs that are affecting you so they even took a microscope and showed them look you can we can actually see the germs and the the eastern thinkers say yeah. oh that's what demons look like <laughs> yeah or which is sure. and it just kind of illustrates that just the the categories are so deep that yeah all models are false some are useful the east <laughs> the, the the east the eastern way of because i would say both of those things are true i mean this is yeah. the this is the difference between um like thinking of things in in strictly binary things which is a left brain thing or, oh, really? or spectrum left brain is, is binary yeah ah i, I think okay. like i'm no expert in this stuff but i think that's right yeah. maybe i mean someone will maybe point that, that out would, to me that's no, not that would true make, that but, I, sense. but that I think sense. so oh okay yeah so um and, and that's not to say that both of those things aren't true like this is another thing something that I, so to 
illustrate it maybe and to get back into Jordan Peterson, one of the things that like Jordan Peterson in ways saved me, not saved me in the, in the Christian evangelical sense, but he saved me from becoming uh, a night, like almost bordering on a relativist nihilist Um, because there were, this is, there were things within postmodernism that I, that I could see were true, that were valid critiques of, of a lot of things going on in the American church in the, in the modern conception of things. But I, but I didn't have language to see where it went wrong. And Jordan Peterson helped me with this in, in like his thing of hierarchies, which people hate. Like if you, if you start trolling on Twitter, Jordan Peterson and Christian circles and like the more postmodern type Christians just mock they they love to mock Jordan Peterson and hierarchy stuff, but I've never heard any of them give like any substance to that. Can like, you they just that? Wanna... What do you what do you what do you so, or what does he mean so by like, hierarchies? Because yeah, I've the, seen some of that. The, the good way for me to think about hierarchies, there's tons of ways to think about it, but it's the exception is not the rule is a really good way to think about it. Like that simple axiom. So like the rule is the thing that is true most of the time. Like that's so it's like um, black and white. There is black, there is white, but then there's also a whole bunch of grays in between that. Mm-hmm. And so like you could almost think of that in terms of like binary or a spectrum. So like you can think of things as simply black and white on and off computer, zeros and ones, which, yeah. I don't, well, I won't go down that rabbit trail, which is, which is an interesting thing to think about in terms of spiritual and technology and mm-hmm. left in what computers are um but or you can think of ter- things in terms of so like even getting into a subject that you work a lot within like sexuality or transgender things mm-hmm. and this is a tweet I-, I sent out a tweet a while back that we talked about that i don't know i mean that i shared with you and i don't know what your thought i mean what your thoughts are completely on it but this is the way that i'd illustrated is like you can the the to say things are are normal is just to say statistically this is the way things manifest most of the time like that's what right, normal right. is yeah normal's not if you're not normal that's not in an intrinsically a derogatory thing to say no it it's means, it's not a yeah. um it's not saying anything about like the moral or yeah ethical or anything substance about it but this is where in our culture we flipped that all on its head and we've made we've gotten in this language battle where words don't even mean anything anymore like normative normative has to be a thing yeah otherwise nihilism normative is it's normative is just the thing that that works all the time so like here's another example that we use i'm a stay-at-home dad my wife works most of the time i think that should be the exception not the rule yeah. And that's not because I'm a chauvinist or anything. It's because I think biology, nature, common sense, current statistics on happiness within the modern hmm. West, within with male and female people, like there's a reason everyone who that that largely, normally now, people who haven't submitted to to uh, traditional structures are depressed, I think. Like all that stuff's connected. And that doesn't mean that there can't be exceptions. I am one, right? I know, you, you can have this conversation. I couldn't have this conversation. Right, <laughs> I'd get right. But, but I, 
and that has come with its own difficulties and struggles. Sure. Um, and it hasn't been perfect in ways, but there are a lot of reasons which I could go into why I think it, it works for us and why I think that we're a legitimate exception without just like validating, yeah. you know, without just like yeah. rationalizing my situation. Yeah. Like I, I think, think it's legit, but. So when going back to, I love that. Um, Jordan Peterson and hierarchies is I've heard him talk about it. You know, you have some people think that if there's a hierarchy, the person at the top, the leader, the wealthy, the person in power, that they got there by definition by stepping on the person at the bottom so that everything right. is viewed through the lens of the powerful and the oppressed, the oppressor yeah. and the oppressor. And he says that's just insane. Like the world will have hierarchies yeah. and that doesn't and, and inequality and that doesn't necessarily mean that those categories are intrinsically immoral. The right. world that has plumbers will have some plumbers that are better at fixing pipes. Mm -hmm. They work harder. They wake up earlier. Uh, right. Some might be single and not married so they can work later. They earn more money. They can spend therefore more on marketing, advertising. Yeah. They get more business. And so you have some plumbers that are wealthier are right. more influential over the plumbing industry and right. others that won't get there. None of that is intrinsically immoral. The no. fact that um, uh, we're glad Yelp works. <laughs> yeah, know? I mean, in Tolkien, I, I shouldn't say that you know J.R.R. Tolkien or C.S. Lewis or J.K. Rowling. It's like, well, that's not fair. They sell more books than I do. Right. Well, guess what? They're better writers than I am, and people know that, and they're gonna therefore have more money and more opportunity. And right. that is a hierarchy. There are better writers. There are writers at the top, writers in the middle, and lots of writers at the bottom. Now, those can't, even Peterson said, you know, those can, given the depravity of man or however he words it, those can turn into oppressive things. And we've seen that happen where right. people at the top do oppress. But hierarchies are not intrinsically immoral. Yeah, they is that, can, is that, is that they, a good summary of, of for what? For sure. Okay. For sure. Yeah. yeah they can become uh, malevolent and, and destructive and, and toxic. For sure. Um, but yeah, the, the nature of hierarchy, I mean, I've never, if someone listens to this and can, and could somehow through you or how, or however, communicate to me something that seems like a reasonably articulated critique of, for the, I mean, I really, I'm open. This is where those things I'm open. I'm truly yeah. open to somebody critiquing hierarchy. I don't think the world would make sense. I think meaning wouldn't let, exist let me try to push let me try to play devil's advocates i think it's always Do the it. best way to refine i mean i think for sure they could point to they could agree with everything i said and say okay on paper that's great but given in history somebody could maybe make the argument i don't know if they can validate it but they can make it that in history wherever hierarchies exist there always is oppression um i guess i would turn around and say well actually wherever socialism has existed <laughs> doing away with hierarchies has led to the death of millions and millions and millions of innocent people historically just statistically yeah so I don't, politically um, i mean i think i think to say that like this is where you get into more of like the whole difference between binary and spectrum stuff yeah, yeah. within hierarchies there's always going to be like this is another good model that i think is helpful like the yin yang model ordering chaos within any hierarchy there's going to be chaos. That's the dot within the order. Okay. And, yeah. and those things are fluid all the time, but they're still somewhat distinct, separate things. 
but right. but then as too much chaos comes in that thing you know upsets and 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 the whole thing dies and a new thing comes again that's the nature of how reality works in cycles of death and rebirth and so within hierarchies yes there's always going to be like like an example of a hierarchy within my family i mean i don't i'm i mean by nature and definition someone i'm the patriarch my wife's the matriarch that has nothing to do with i'm not making any claims of egalitarianism or anything like that um I think my wife and I operate pretty much as equals and we don't have any definitive thing within that. But so like, this is where I think discussing health and unhealth or goodness and beauty is helpful because like within my family and within my hierarchy of I'm the leader and I'm the patriarch of the family, do I do that on a whole well and good? I would hope so. Does that mean there's no malevolence in the way that I interact with my children? Of course right, not. Right, right, right. right. Know, of that's course not. not. Intrinsic, that's not intrinsic to the. It's not the hierarchy that caused that. Right. That's that's the the yin and the yang, the good and the evil that is in. It's the human the heart, being the, that's in the heart of every person that is embedded into every every system. Is yes. going to Have that he, again. Even Peterson talks about. You know, he's he would be very supportive of capitalism as the best of the available options, but he says yes, even then. Sure, we need government checks and regulations and stuff to make sure right. that it doesn't get out of control because it will get out of control. Any system. Right, and he's not – and even within that, like he's not – this is where I think Peterson is weak is he's too, he's too staunch in defending the thing that he's trying to defend, which I think is legitimate, so that, so that he's very leery, I think, of giving – and and if you watch enough of his stuff, you'll see him give credence to Brown, to yeah. the pushback. Because like he wouldn't deny crony capitalism, he wouldn't sure, deny no, no. corruption within within capitalism in the West and things like that. But he would say, what what political world system is working better? Right, right. There isn't one that's working better. So yeah, yeah you can critique that. This is what I think. This is what he's trying to say is like, sure, you can critique the negatives within that. But don't act like the negatives that you see right. are the norm. That's the exception. It's the exception yeah. rule thing. He's well, saying you're yeah. trying to take the exception, the negative exception, and make it the rule. That's yeah. where you mess up. It also kind of goes – this is a slightly different direction we can go. But this all kind of like overly negative view of where we are in human history. And this goes back – this is yeah. so – it's so tied into – commercializing the outrage culture. Um, yeah. That's not, not the best phrase. You know what I'm trying to say. But like we, uh, I mean, again, a, a news that sent their, a, a news outlet that sent their journalist or their anchor or whatever to a happy neighborhood where there's no crime to say, hey, yeah. I just want everybody to know everything went well today in this neighborhood. Nobody's going to watch that. People want to watch the, the murders, the outrage, the the right. stuff that you know is negative, but that is fed into this idea that things are just horrible right now. When if yeah. you step back and look at human history, um, humans are wealthier than we ever have been in human history. Violence is at yeah. an all time low in human history, despite what many many people assume. Race crimes related to racism and hatred are on yeah. all time low in America and around the world. Yep. And this is all from uh, Steven Pinker's book and, and the right. human progress website and others that like, if you right. actually step back and look at where things are in the map of human history, 
the egalitarian equality across the board. I mean, you can go on right. and on and on and on. The only thing that, that isn't on that upward trajectory is the environment. And that's yeah. where even, even people say, yes, right now we need to figure out how to better care for our planet because the direction is headed in the opposite direction right now. But everything else, life expectancy, uh, health, um, uh, mental health, actually mental health might be another one. Anxiety, depression, suicide in, in the West might be. That are going down. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, yeah. 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 So I think that would be kind of a byproduct of technological advancement. A lot of people are, I mean, people often assume this, but I think it's being shown, like proven that social media and other things have increased, especially among like that. anxiety, I've heard, depression, suicide. I've heard uh, Height talk about that new book, iGen, that he quotes, or that oh, they talk yeah, about maybe yeah. in the coddling of just yeah, yeah massive increase in yeah. depression and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and I would say a lot of that, yeah, because th those, I mean, this gets back into the spiritual side of it, I would say, within liturgy and narratives and stories that we all live within we're, we're storied creatures right and mm -hmm. so if you want to if that's the news that you're doing and you're feeding into this story that the world is bad and bad and bad and you're fighting the evil patriarchy and all it's doing like that's what you that's what you look for and that's what you see right you look at you see what you pay attention to right yeah and you yeah. can't see anything else you don't see what you pay attention that's what consciousness actually is yeah. Consciousness is the ability to pay attention. Consciousness shuts out all your other perceptions so that you can focus on something and think about it. Yeah. That's yeah. what consciousness is. And so um, like this, this gets into one of my favorite quotes that I love to bring up is C.S. Lewis said in The Magician's Nephew. It's a children's book. It's really, but like he drops these bombs in there. Yeah. And it's, it's what's pinned on the top of my Twitter profile. But what you see in here depends a lot upon where you're standing. It also depends <laughs> upon the kind of person you are. Yeah. Like what he's talking about is he's saying stuff that's so that's, that's what Jordan Peterson's saying. You actually can't see what you don't look at. And I mean that figuratively and literally. Wow. That's good. Yeah. I mean, you that's can't, good. you pay attention to what's important to you, which is what's important to you is a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. It's what you value the most. This is Jonathan Edwards. This yeah. is what he's saying in his Freedom of the Will book. Um, and you actually can't pay attention to what you don't value. It's impossible. That's what human agency is. Hmm. Wow. And so, like, if you get rid of hierarchies, you, you destroy human agency. It's, it's like the most satanic thing there is. You destroy what a human is. So you're not, yeah, we don't want to destroy hierarchies. We want to destroy, or we will never destroy, but we want to fight against certain oppressions and evils sure. that could more naturally stem from a hierarchy. But hierarchy, this is what Peterson said, like hierarchies simply right. do, do and will exist. That's right. just is what Because even that comes from a value. I want to defend the marginalized. I want to defend the helpless, sure. yeah. the good Samaritan, all of that stuff those values is a hierarchy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like you can't, yeah. it's, it's people who, people who critique this stuff, like they're talking out of the both sides of their mouth. It's the, it's the people standing firmly in midair, you know, or it's, it's like pulling the rug out from under themselves that they're standing on, which mm -hmm. is why some of these guys go into like philosophically go into absurdism and all this kind of stuff. But, but all of that just makes me to circle all the way back. It makes me just think like, you guys need to go 
east. Like this is way too left brain focused. Yeah. You're way too focused on your reason and rationality and thinking you understand things. And um, here, I actually, can I read you my absolute favorite quote? I just want yeah, to yeah, you found it? Yeah. So um, I think this is my favorite of all time. So C.S. Lewis, he said, and at one point I came across this and he said that his, his um, mentor and like, his hero and basically everything he did was a weak homage to George McDonald. Hmm. Like he was just a huge fan of George McDonald and George McDonald was this, uh, like the century before, uh, pastor theologian in Scotland. And he wrote a lot of fictional works and stuff, but he wrote this book Lilith. And so I saw that quote oh, from yeah. Lewis and I love Lewis so much. He's for me so much. And I'm just like, why am I not reading George McDonald? Hmm. This doesn't make any sense. I should totally yeah. be reading his hero, you know? Yeah. And I read his book, Lilith, which I don't recommend to very many people because it's a trip. But, um, but he, there's this part in the book. So he says, I'll just read you the quote. And it's going on with this dialogue between two characters. And so it starts, it says, I'm sorry, I cannot explain the thing to you, he answered. But there is no provision in you for understanding it. Not merely, therefore, is the phenomenon inexplicable to you, but the very nature of it is inapprehensible by you. Indeed, I, but, but partially apprehend it myself. At the same time, you are constantly experiencing things which you not only do not, but cannot understand. You think you understand them, but your understanding of them is only your being used to them, and therefore not surprised by them. You accept them, not because you understand them, but because you must accept them. They are there and have unavoidable relations with you. The fact is, and this is the key part. The fact is, no man understands anything. When he knows he does not understand, that is his first tottering step, not toward understanding, but toward the capability of one day understanding. To such things as these you are not used, therefore do not fancy you understand them. Neither I nor any man can help you to understand, but I may, perhaps, help you a little to believe. Oh, word. The whole That's, book is like that. Yeah. But like that quote, this is what I'm this is what I was trying to get at, at the beginning. And and this is what I to me this is essentially what the Bible was trying to get at when it says lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways and your way of being acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Don't think you have things figured out. Or like I read in Lewis's book recently and at the end of his book in the space trilogy, which if I do nothing else but get people to read the space trilogy, that's a win. <laughs> um, in his second book, Paralondo, toward the end, he quotes, it's a 17th century poet, but he says, tis not in mortals to commend success. Hmm. It's not your job to, to fix the ends. That's God. That's you trying to play God. Do what you're supposed to do. Love well. Tell the truth. Love your neighbor. Like, don't try the world right now. And this is the left brain thing in the West. I find in America, we see it mainly politically because politics is our religion, I think, yeah. largely. But it's a bunch of people who think they understand the world, think they have everything figured out, wanting to convince everyone else of that because they think that will fix our problems. Hmm. And that's wrong. <laughs> it's all fundamentally <laughs> wrong. <laughs> What about, I mean, someone could say, are we age? Okay, so yes, we're not going to usher in, to put it in theological terms, the kingdom per se, yeah. 
but we are agents <clears throat> in that redemptive activity. So it's not yeah, let I go and let God. But you're saying, if I hear you correctly, that yes, God's ultimately responsible. Yes, God's using us, but in a sense, He's using us by means of doing what you said. Just love your neighbor, do, yeah. you know, uh, be kind, uh, tell people about Jesus and repent I think from it's, your own sin. I think it's simpler. It's, it's be, it's be holy as I am holy, less, way much less so than figure out the nature of the world okay. and make everyone else be- agree with you. Like, kind I don't, like, think, you know, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> that's a kind of, a, yeah, that's a point of Job in many ways, but yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, I got to run. This has been fun. It's been over an hour. Can you believe it? <laughs> Love it. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was a good time. If this was Joe Rogan, we'd be just uh, getting warmed up. Totally. He would have just, just finished talking about all his advertisements, and then now he's <laughs> getting Yeah, now we can start talking about you know psychedelics <laughs> and all the pot you smoke. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, by now he's he's uh he's already lit up. The, you you saw the Elon Musk, uh, yeah, we yeah. talked about that, right? Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was a trip, and and many yeah, uh, yeah, intended. double uh, entendre. There, it was yeah, a total trip. Yeah. Luke, thanks so much for being on the show. And uh, as I said in the intro, what I love about you is, and I mean this, I, this could come out negative, but um, you're not like an academic by profession. Uh, you're a stay-at-home dad, um, and you read ferociously, you think deeply. And I just, I hold you out as like, this is what, you know, cause some people think, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a teacher. I'm not an academic. So I don't need to think, well, you blow apart that stereotype, which is why I love to have you on the show. So thanks so much for giving cool. us a model for, uh, I, again, I hate this term, but the average person can, can say, Oh, Gosh, I need to go read the Space Trilogy and Lilith and uh, think much deeper, deeper about my faith than I typically do. Yeah, I mean, if it, if it, if that, if the increase toward thinking helps people to live better, great. You know. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. All right, man. I gotta run. Okay. Thanks, buddy. All right. Take care. Peace.